live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station. It's hour number two, five minutes after the hour of 11 on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Zubin Mahente from ESPN will join us here uh, in about 20 minutes. Well, game one went to the Dodgers. Game three went to the Dodgers. Game five went to the Dodgers. The Rays taking two and four. I think that means, Trent, that if the, the pattern says win-loss, win-loss, mm-hmm. win-loss, that's, that's Tampa's night. Okay, so you're saying put it all on the Rays this evening. All right. We saw this you game. You got, a, what, $2,000 in your Mediacom bank account over there with our fake bankroll. You're just going to throw it all on them tonight? I am not. Okay. I, I'm worried about this spot. I hope there's, maybe it's just the fact that we we won't have any sports tomorrow if, if there isn't a Game 7, I, as in no sports. I can't. You brought that up to me before the show today, and I just, it's baffling. We have been so overwhelmed with sports, and now we might not have anything if we don't get a Game 7. That's right. Matt Snyder, CBS Sports, he's been very, very kind to us through the playoffs as he's joined us seemingly every round. We're on the precipice of the curtain falling. Matt joins us. Matt, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Matt Snyder. How are you? Sure thing. I'm good. It is weird that you, you just mentioned, uh, like, the possibility of no sports at all. We got really spoiled there. Yeah, we did. <laughs> stretch, it feels like. After we, we earned it, I think. <laughs> yep. We earned it with the months and months of nothing. But it's going to be odd to get back to kind of a, quote-unquote, normal sports schedule. Sadly, it seems like, well, you know what? I'm not giving up hope on Blake Snow. This was the pitching matchup, at least to begin, uh, oh, what, six days ago on Wednesday night, game two. Uh, Snell struck out nine, walked uh, too many guys. I remember, what was the number of guys he walked? Uh, four? Handful, four. I think you're right, Trent. Uh, but walked too many guys, but they got to Gonzalez early in the baseball game. So off the top, uh, Snell versus Gonzalez, does anyone have an edge in your mind, Matt? Uh, if you were just looking at those two, I, it's probably Snell, uh, but it, it's early Snell. I mean, they got to him once they'd seen him a few times. Um, almost nobody except Mookie Betts is the common team in this series since Betts had just gotten traded from the Rays division. But almost nobody in the Dodgers had seen any of these guys. I, I kind of feel like once you get to see them again, then you become more familiar and, and things kind of tilt a little bit more in the hitter's advantage. So, I could see the Dodgers getting to him, but if we're talking like for, as long as Gonsolin's going to be in, it's it smells the better bet to throw up a couple zeros here in the first two innings. So you look at Gonsolin; he gets this, he hasn't been good. You just kind of look through here. What what's behind the decision to put him out there, knowing it's going to be a bullpen game? I know Urias is not going to be available. No Bueller, of course, available. At, but he's at least a good for insurance one, policy for tomorrow for Game Seven. But without those two guys, still. That bullpen is so deep. May through for five outs, I think it was. You have so many different pieces. Why is it Gonsolin? Why is he the guy that gets here in what's going to turn out to be a bullpen game? I think they're just going to stick to their plan. They, yeah. they had a plan from the get-go, and stick to that. Um, I don't know if at some point they snow blood in the water, if they go to have Walker Bueller close it down the way we've seen some starting yeah. pitchers do so in the past. Uh, Madison Bumgarner comes to mind. The, the Red Sox and Astros both would kind of let starting pitchers 
finish the job with in, in multiple inning outings. Uh, maybe they do that, but I, I just if they were going to do that, why wouldn't they just start them? That's right. So, I'm with you. It, it, maybe they're just going to stick to the plane and have Bueller ready for Game Seven. Um, Kershaw didn't have a, a huge workload in either mm-hmm. of his starts. I suppose he's possible in Game Seven, which would mean maybe they would, if they got to a point where they're up like three or four runs in the sixth inning, just say, "Hey, let's just let Walker close this down, and if there's a disaster, we can try to piece it together with Clayton tomorrow." I don't know. It's a gamble for Roberts, uh, you know, get, saving him for Game Seven as, as he's elected to do. But that's an interesting theory. So, if they're up tonight, then you turn it over to Bueller. If it goes bad, then Kershaw. Who pitched Sunday Urias. night? Yeah. Urias. Well, it's clearly <laughs> going to be all hands on deck. Game. Yeah, it's the last game you empty the yeah. tank. Yeah. Uh, what about Trinan? Uh, is he the guy? I mean, if there's a, if there's a safe situation tonight, who does Roberts go to in the ninth if he if he needs to close it out? Does he have faith in Jansen? I think I think he's going to go back to Jansen. Yeah. Uh, it was he had pitched back to back. He hadn't gone three games in a row all season. So okay. I think that's one of the reasons he didn't want to go. It would have been his first back-to-back-to-back in addition to coming off that game where he might have been kind of uh, mentally in a bad place. He's had some days off now. I think he'd go back to him. And he did have good stuff the first outing of the series. So maybe you can say, hey, we just don't want you to go back-to-back anymore. And maybe that clears his head. Saw your uh, colleague over at CBS Sports, Dane Perry, wrote an article talking about David Price and the decision before mm, the year yeah. to opt out He's watching the team on the precipice of a championship, not being a part of it. Thought it was really interesting. It's something that, frankly, I'd forgotten. He was part of the Mookie Best trade yeah. and a bit of a salary dump there. But just what odd circumstances this is. We're we're just so ingrained into baseball and now the day to day nuance of it, even in the World Series, and yet we have this guy that isn't a part of it. It's, it's just an odd story, Matt. I know, and he's been like tweeting. Uh, he, he's definitely rooting for them, and. At first glance, you're like, but does he even know? Well, yeah, he went through spring training back in the actual spring, <laughs> yes. not the summer camp. Right. So he was with them for a bit. Yeah, uh, I, I, you wonder if at, at any point if he wanted, to, if he felt like he wanted to opt back in. Remember, Nick Markakis opted mm-hmm. out, but he saw how much fun the Braves were having, and he wanted to be a part of it, so he opted back in. Seems like Price has been content all along to sit on the sidelines. He has already won a ring, and he had a big part in that one. Uh, closing things down for the Red Sox in Game 5 in 2018, so maybe that made it a little easier. Who's been the MVP of this? Uh, of, of this? If or, the Dodgers I've would... I've got to figure. Yeah. Who? I'm sorry? I said if he hadn't won a ring before, I've got to figure that competitively he would have come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. He's got one. Not the not the pressure to, uh, to get there. Who's the MVP of this series? If the Dodgers win tonight, not knowing how it's going to play out, obviously, I don't think it's going to be a pitcher, is it? I mean, would it be maybe Corey Seager? Has he had as big an impact? I mean, Muncy's hitting big home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bet, I know, Trent, you're rooting for him. you got a big ticket yeah, on him. We, we, need, we need Mookie to have a big night tonight. <laughs> uh, sports yeah. betting-wise, who is who would the MVP be, Matt? I think Seager is the front runner, but uh, it's, it's, a lot's going to come down to tonight if they close it out. Uh, I mean, you, you've got guys like Mookie and, and Turner who are close enough. I mean, if you see Justin Turner come out and hit two home runs and drive in four or something, you, that that can push guys forward. Uh, I mean, it's uh, you look at like 2016, it, it was probably a dead heat with several guys on the Cubs going into game seven, and then Zobris got the game-winning hit. So, yeah, Zobris won it. So it's uh, – 
Yeah, I, I think it's Seager's the front runner, but you know, Seager could go over five tonight. Well, somebody else steps up huge, and that and that changes the numbers. Matt, as you can imagine, football dominates our conversations on Monday. So, not only did we not talk much about Sunday night, Saturday night, Ugh. just a completely different level. Take us through that, that was wild, awesome. wild play at the end, as it ended. A couple of errors on it. I was watching. I was so happy that I was to be able to see it live. But what a crazy night! And that will be. You go through and you put together highlights of all the World Series. That's going to have to be a part of it. Yeah, it is. Uh- if they don't cut it, then they get a Rosarena easily. Mm-hmm. Um, the cut, the cut and throw though, they still Smith's got to catch that ball. Uh, there's the throwing error. Uh, just wow to to have a throw like that, and then a Rosarena to fall down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I tell you, the the batter Brett Phillips, uh, he, you know, good for him. I, I hate saying something like that, but I'm just speaking the truth. He, he was one of the worst hitters that was on a yep. postseason roster. Right. So you have like one of the most unlikely guys to come through and get a hit um, all around. Just that was an unbelievable game. Just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And here I'm just trying to live through my glory of being an Indiana football fan through all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Quite quite a day for your squad. Uh, yeah, yes, I mean, Kiermaier running onto the field before the the, uh-huh. the winning run had even been uh, uh, Rosarina had crossed their slid into the plate. That was crazy. You mentioned Phillips. I mean, his family got up and left the ballpark. They had no confidence uh, that he was even going to see the field and, uh, and and be the hero of the game like he was. And I guess he had migraines afterwards. Um, just an unbelievable story. Well, the story's been so far so good as far as the COVID. They've made it through. Uh, good for baseball after you know stum- stumbling, uh, having their struggles early. But we've seen fans in the ballpark. We've seen 11,000 and change every single night. As we look forward, not knowing the virus is going to dictate, obviously, uh, do you anticipate whenever the season starts, and we don't know if it's going to start in early April or late March as it normally does, does it? Does what we saw this past week in Dallas mean that we're more likely to see at least some fans in ballparks once we resume in 2021? Or is that? I mean, it, it, the two don't equate. I, I really hope so uh, because I, I, I don't know how it's going to go, and it, it seems like it's going to be state by state. You see, the NFL right now it, it's it's on a state by state basis. I'm just saying I hope so from the standpoint of uh, baseball only, which is that if there are teams that can't have fans in the stands, um, then we might get another 60-game season because the only reason that they decided on 60 games was that was all the owners were willing to pay in salary because of their revenues. And they're going to be so worried about that again that they're going to do the same dance with the players and try to say you need to take 30% of your prorated salary in order to play 81 games, and they're going to say no to that. They just give us prorated, and we're going to end up with that same dance where we end up at at 60 games. So I really hope we can let at least some fans in, um, and, and then maybe we'll have some semblance of a full season. Looked like this offseason was going to be perhaps a monster before Trout signed yep. his extension, before, of course, Mookie goes to the Dodgers and gets his extension. Overall, you look at this class, George Springer's a part of it, some nice veterans overall, but the money in general, outside of maybe even a George Springer, when you talk about that next tier of free agents, 
what kind of money, what kind of contracts are we going to be looking That's at? Great question. You know, for a real Muto, really nice catcher for Nelson Cruz. He's different. He's 40. But still, the kind of money, Cespedes, Michael Brantley, free agents like that, two years, 15 million. I, I just, I have no clue. Any context for that? No, I have no idea. We no. haven't been through anything like this. No. I can tell you the one thing we think we know is it's going to be a while before anybody gets signed because Uh the owners are going to want to wait and wait and wait and see what the COVID restrictions are. Again, they'll they'll look at football. And if you get to the point where the Chicago Bears, uh, the L.A. Rams, start to be allowed to have fans back in their stadiums, then teams like the Dodgers and Cubs and White Sox and Padres can feel like, okay, if we're going to be able to have fans, we can spend some, hopefully. Um, It's going to be ugly out there Mm -hmm. for the free agents. And you look at stuff like Marcelo Zuna last year had to take a one-year deal to bet on himself. You might see a lot of that. You might see a lot of guys saying, by 2022, it's going to be back to normal. So I'm just going to take a one-year deal and bet on myself. Mm-hmm. You, you hate to say make Ozuna do that again when he just did it and had an absolute monster season. I mean, he's not going to have another season like that, you wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he might be forced into that situation. Somebody like Springer... I feel like he might get multiple years, maybe Real Muto, but I past that, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of, I'm just going to take a one-year deal for way less, less than I'm worth and hope things get back to normal by the following season. Yeah, the Hot Stove League is going to be entirely different, right? The hot, oh, my gosh, <laughs> absolutely. So, Matt, um, are there any sports on TV tomorrow night? Hopefully Game 7, right? Well, that's what I'm asking. Um, Will we see yeah. a Game 7? Oh, uh... I'm inclined to say no. Me too. I, the Dodgers are just better, and <laughs> yep. I feel like this is their year, and they're just going to get it done. I just in some matter, shape, or form. I I, I feel like maybe second time through the order they pound Snell around, uh-huh. and they've been getting on the raised relievers in the series for the most part. Uh, even some of their good ones they've gotten to. So I think we're going to go over. I think it's over unders eight. I think it'll be over, and I think the Dodgers will get it done. Something like six four. I uh, hope you're wrong. I fear you are right. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. I said I was going to say, well, we'll talk to you during a hot stove, but we just don't know. I think Trent makes <laughs> January, that's maybe. <laughs> it's it's going to be yeah. wild, Matt. Yeah, good point. So, right. uh, what was uh, what? How do you say his name? The quarterback for Indiana, Pup, uh starts with a P. Penix. Pe- Penix. Penix. Was he in? Yeah. Yeah. He was. Um, I keep saying people. People are focusing so much on the pylon and i understand why and i think that is why the official called it good in in real time but when they keep doing the still photo and saying look the ball's out of bounds before it touches the pylon the pull the point's also touching the line the goal line so uh and keep in mind if the ball hits the ground first that doesn't mean he's down if no part of his body's down so i feel like the ball hit the ground and slid and broke the plane of the goal line right before it hit out of bounds but i went to indiana and i'm a diehard i mean i went to the bowl game last year in jacksonville that's how much i care wow. uh, but you had to feel that it wasn't going to go your way didn't you didn't you have that penn state yeah. gonna, it's going to go penn state's way didn't you yes, feel like everybody that? else in my group everybody else in my group was jumping up and down and cheering and i just stood there with my arms crossed kind of smiling <laughs> yeah. but i'm like no, wait for this review. The other shoe's about to fall here. <laughs> what an unbelievable finish. Matt Snyder, thank you for what you do for us. Appreciate it. And congratulations uh, on your squad's win this past week. Uh, well, that'll be one we'll all be right. talking about all season. Thank you, Matt Snyder. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you're the same. Good to talk to you. An Indiana football fan. How many yes. of those, I'm assuming? I've talked uh, plenty of Hoosier basketball over the years yeah. with Matt Snyder. Not a whole lot of football. One thing I thought about watching the end of that game, 
I saw the announced attendance in the box score. It was like nine ninety five. That is a program defining win. This is uh. a they haven't done anything on that scale. Everybody pulls upsets. Indiana doesn't nope. against the heavyweights. Nope. And there's 995 people there, as opposed to 45, 50,000 that would have been in attendance and would be well, talking for, about For week that one. one, they would have had a, a really nice crowd. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that picture, everyone's, oh, that picture's going to be in every sports bar. You know, it reminds me kind of, and I agree with that. Bobby Orr flying through the air, the, yeah, the yeah. game winner. You know, who hasn't seen that picture, right? Mm-hmm. There's a statue outside of uh, TD Bank or whatever it's called in Boston. That picture is going to be, oh boy, a lot of people are going to get that signed maybe once he, well, you don't have to wait. He can sign it and make some money off of that yes. name image likeness. Uh, good stuff out of Matt Snyder. So Dodgers tonight, you think get it done? I Sadly, I do. So I, I've made money in the World Series. I've guaranteed myself money. Now I'm just rooting for Mookie because I bet race to win the series at plus 190 and Dodgers in six. So You're even in a good spot. So even if the Rays win tonight, I have them already on one side, and I can bet back on the Dodgers, Dodgers on the money line. I've guaranteed myself a profit. My biggest profit, though, would be bets. Is the Dodgers winning tonight, and Mookie? And what do you have Mookie. him at? Ten to one. Fifteen to Fifteen one. Fifteen to one. Wow. DraftKings gave a odds boost before the series on that one. I said, "My God, give do me that. some of that." Fifteen to one. Now, yeah, Seager right now, I think is he's the he's the favorite. I agree. If a Rosarena has a huge performance tonight, yet. The Dodgers still win. Mm. When's the last time? The oh, Super Bowl, boy. what was the guy for the Raiders that won the MVP in a losing effort? Jeez, it's happened to. once, or maybe I don't even remember who I it is. I thought it was the Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah, you're right, you're right. World Series, I believe it's happened, but I'm not positive on that. Can he give it? No, I think it's Seager. It's not the best player in this series. It's most valuable player. How valuable? Well, it's the same argument I, I have with Trout every year. Right when and, at the end of the and they go seventy ninety two. Guess what? Yeah. I don't know how much value he has because they want seventy and ninety two. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. How much value do you have? Now you could say they would have been swept without a Rosarena. Maybe it's that would be the unbelievable argument. story. We will. Uh, but well, before we hear from Zuba Mahente, we'll give you the chance to win another thousand dollars. Yes, it's time for our thousand dollar handoff. Text the keyword rich. To 200, 200 right now, your chance to win $1,000. Rich to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Zubin, Trent, and I will go around the world of sports. Next, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We are Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM. And now, 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Business owners, real estate agents, are you looking for an experienced, proven, and locally owned partner in central Iowa for your commercial construction needs? Make it Roshan Corporation. Roshan Corporation will guide you through options to make your dreams a reality. Roshan, your general contractor who can build anything from small tenant improvement spaces to large-scale design-build projects. It's Roshan Corporation. Online at RoshanIA.com. If you can dream it, Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. On a Tuesday morning, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 
106.3 FM. Let's get our friend Zubin Mahente in here. He showed up on Twitter locally over the weekend. The Wayback Machine. Zubin at WOI doing some Cyclone basketball highlights. Uh, Zubin, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Zubin Mahente, I sent you the video. I'm not, I'm not asking if you remember that actual sports cast, but you remember the era, right? Oh, of course, when I got the video that you sent to me, I, I responded to Ken 15 years and 50 pounds ago. So I'm a little bit of a different guy these days, but it's always good to look back at that. And November 25th, we'll actually have some college basketball back. But I'll be honest with you, you know, as big as Iowa was, I covered Iowa football for Channel 5. Uh, Iowa State basketball, um, it was something else. I was actually there for Larry Eustachie and Wayne Morgan, so I had missed the Pfizer Kingsley greatness. And I miss Hoiberg bringing it back. I was kind of stuck in that period where not much was going on. Um, but the ouster of Eustachie was probably one of the most serious stories I covered there. Yep. And, and that, along with Pierre Pierce, was one of the most controversial stories, I think, of the decade in the state and being around those two. It's, uh, it's a memory down the road, that's for sure. But uh, these days I can still fit into my high school clothes. I certainly couldn't back then. <laughs> uh, Zuba Mahanti is our guest, ESPN Radio Mornings on ESPN Radio, along with Keyshawn Johnson and Jay Will. Well, Zuba, let's uh, go back to last night. And I'm, I'm anxious to to uh, find out if you guys discussed that Brian Greasy, uh, who was part of Monday Night Football, obviously, and the part of the three-man crew with Levy and Riddick. And, and Greasy shared a story of a conversation with Nick Foles, who Foles apparently told him somewhere, and I'm paraphrasing, that when the play call comes in, I already, mad- I, I already know, this is Foles speaking, that this isn't going to work, that I'm not going to have time to run that, that play. Did that come up on your show today at all, Zubin? Oh, the huge talking point. We went almost every hour with the and our Jeff Dickerson. I guess it's our version of, you know, Jeff Hughes that you guys use from the Bears blog, and we got his opinion on it. Essentially, for the listeners that may not be aware exactly what Ken said, and Brian Greasy said he had gotten that in a production meeting, which is what all the broadcasters do prior to the game. Uh, Greasy, of course, is a quarterback himself. He was actually a Bears quarterback, if you remember, late in his career. Trent is a Bears fan, of course, but remember that. And they asked uh, Matt Nagy about it after the game, and Nagy said it's not that big of a deal. You're going to have to ask Foles about it, but we're all good. Foles actually came out and said there was a total miscommunication between him and Greasy, essentially laying it on Greasy and saying, I don't think Brian took my words correctly. And the most surprising thing of all, Keyshawn came back on and said, yeah, there's no way Greasy got that right. And I was really surprised to hear that because normally we're going to defend our own guys for sure. Uh, but Keyshawn just sort of being in these pre-production meetings from his career in television uh, and as a player and understanding the dynamics, actually sided with Foles and said, I don't know where the blame game goes. It'll be a big issue in Chicago today when you're talking about it's not Trubisky and Foles now, it's Foles and Nagy, which takes it to another level, even if it was incidental and wires got crossed, things were taken out of context or words were mint. Uh, but it was very interesting that he essentially said, if you're telling me that story, I believe Nick Foles. That raised my eyebrows a little bit. In the NFL, we see Seattle take their first loss. Tennessee takes their first loss. I want to concentrate, though, with you on the NFC. Going into last night, the Bears would have been the number one team, at least uh, if the playoffs started. Thank goodness they don't. That team does not deserve a bye (laughs) in the first round. Who is the best team in the NFC? If you had to make a bet, Zubin, who would be your pick to come out of the Super Bowl from the NFC right now? Well, let me turn this on you real quick. That was our, forgive the plug, that was our Dr. Pepper Twitter question. Uh Ah, Um, who is the best team in the NFC? And obviously, we opened it up to everybody. 
Um, I continue to be amazed by how much time we spend on a two and five football team that doesn't have a quarterback, but I guess that's what everybody wants in Dallas, so we continue to do yeah. it. Our two biggest talkers today were the Dallas Cowboys who are out of it and Odell who's out of it. So <laughs> if you take away those two things, I don't know what else we can talk about. I'd like to talk about somebody that's actually playing, but, uh, uh look, uh, we gave everybody an option and obviously I don't know what the results were, but I guess one, two, three in some order would be Packers, Seahawks, Bucks. I know who finished first. Who do you think our listeners, by 48% of total votes, understanding that certain teams might get a drib-drab there, maybe somebody believes in the Cardinals, maybe somebody believes in a healthy 49ers squad, whatever it is, one team got 48% of the votes. Who do you think it was? Tampa Bay. Yep, 100%. Right on it. Tampa Bay. And that's probably the team I would have to root for. I think it's amazing that, you know, they'll get themselves a layup this week on Monday night uh, on a long week. And then they'll have Antonio Brown back for their first game, which will be against the Saints on Sunday night football. So that'll be fascinating to watch, just to see the way that they continue to work. And the fact that, you know, when we have our MVP discussions on every Monday morning, it generally surrounds Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, our ESPN NFL analyst, has been hot on Josh Allen in the first four weeks of the season. Obviously, he's come back to the pack. You can maybe make an argument for Aaron Donald or another defensive player, but it's funny, when we have these MVP conversations, Tom Brady's name has not been in there. It really hasn't. Uh, but I think after Sunday, it's got to wedge itself into the conversation, especially when you consider what's going on with Cam and Belichick on the other side. I'm not saying there's any sort of vote because they're struggling. Tom has just been great. I believe he had nine different receivers on Sunday. And, um, you know, that just says it all. Spreading it around, even with guys falling left and right. His ability to get Fournette in there. His ability to get uh, Antonio Brown in there, despite what Bruce Arians and Jason Like would tell you. We were joking this morning. I mean, Belichick's like the head coach and general manager. Tom Brady's the quarterback head coach and general manager. <laughs> yeah. So he gets a lot of extra credit for that. But it's been an awesome story to watch. I think Orlowski's doing the Iowa game. Is he, he is, That's yeah. That's what I thought. With with Susan. Yep, with uh, with Susan and You will uh, love him. You will love him. No, he's really good. He's uh, he's a star. He's a rising mm-hmm. star, I think, in the television business. Zubin, uh, speaking of college football, ESPN announced today that game day is going to be the weekend of November fourth, uh, fourteenth, which is Masters weekend. Game day is headed to Augusta. <laughs> I don't know who came up with this idea. I think it's absolutely brilliant. A little cross promotion there, uh, but I mean, this is never going to happen again, right? That the Masters and college football are going to be. Pl- at least we hope, played at the same time. What a brilliant, brilliant move, uh, taking a staple of, uh, of uh, television programming to the most famous, I got fair to say, golf tournament in the world or golf course in the world. Well, St. Andrews might have an argument, but you get my point. A uh, pretty good idea to take it to Augusta. I love it, and I'll tell you one reason why I think it really resonates, and I've only been to Augusta. I was lucky enough to make one trip uh, the year Patrick Reed won, which I think was in 2018. And I got to do some work for us there and for the, and for, uh, the Masters there and Masters.com, et cetera. And the one thing you notice when you go down there, and obviously it's Georgia, but the one thing you notice is how many SEC hats and SEC gear you just see from everybody, the patrons. I don't want to get thrown out of there, so I'll call them the patrons <laughs> instead of the gallery. But how many have just not just Georgia, but Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State, Clemson. I mean, and I know Clemson's in the ACC. We see so much of that down there rep when you're just walking around. And it just was another reminder that even though I went down there in April when the Masters normally played and, you know, spring football is coming and going, that they're thinking about college football down there 24-7. So if there is one 
section of the country realizing Augusta is where it is. But if there's one section of the country where there's a cross-pollination of college football and, of course, a revered event like the Masters, it just makes total sense. Obviously, just from the standpoint of how austere the Masters is and the fact that Game Day is just not going to have a lot of fans this year, it's probably the perfect opportunity uh, to do it. Because I don't think the raucous nature of that show <laughs> mixes quite well with Augusta. But if you can extract the fans this year and bring both sports together, I've said this before, people don't often think about this, ESPN's highest-rated region of the country. We have great fans in the Midwest. We have great fans here packed into the Northeast. But ESPN's highest viewership anywhere in the country is in the Southeast. So I think this would be a great opportunity for these two sports to come together. And you're right. Awesome thought, whoever came up with that. Props to them. Going to be great and a fun theater, something a little bit different without the fans. And you go there and without the patrons, as you mentioned, yes. at Augusta. Going to be really, really cool to see how this, uh, how that plays out and how it looks. And what's been... An interesting year for game day. It feels different. Corso not being there. He's back at his house. He's got the SMU Mustang jumping in his pool, which was a fun moment. But it does feel a lot different here. Is that maybe the the show that's been impacted the most at ESPN, just not being in a normal year? ESPN game day, just because the fans, the signs, everything else is so, so important to the production. Yeah, I mean, I just think that's where all the energy comes from. And when you're doing a three-hour college football show, you're doing a three-hour NFL show on Sunday with the Sunday NFL countdown, the number one thing anybody would tell you, I mean, you guys do shows where you're going on and on and on and on. And the number one thing you need as a broadcaster is you got to have the energy. You want to be great out of the gate after the post-game show, but two hours in, when you're sitting on I-80 waiting to get back to Central Iowa from Guinness, you want to make sure that someone that's tuning in there has got nowhere to go on the road, get your same level of energy. The one added boost of game, having seen it in person a few times, having worked with Sports Center uh, alongside them, depending on where we were going, if we were going to the same locale, the energy is just brought by the crowd, which is an obvious statement. So when you're on for three hours, that energy from those people really gives you that boost you really need. It's easy to have energy at 9 a.m. It's easy to have it moments before when Lee was traveling to put on the mascot head and toss to the noon Eastern game. And, you know, it's a little trick to the trade if you guys sometimes watch game day. If game day is going incredibly well or they're just a little behind or the crowd is going nuts or Lee's a little behind on putting on the headgear, Believe it or not, they can actually hold the kick of the noon game. Every once in a while, it'll start just after noon, and they'll be able to hold it because the show is having such a raucous moment. So I think the energy is one thing that we've always tried to bring to the table, you, me, anybody that's ever done this for any amount of time. You take for granted how much energy those people bring. And now, like any show, you've got to manufacture it on your own. Easier said than done. But because I think the show has had such good equity over the years and it's been the show of record, uh, if it's one year without the fans, I think the show has proven on its own merits. It's a pretty darn good watch, even without the fans. Mark could be better with them there. No doubt about it. By the way, a little breaking news. Gray Mertz has had a second positive uh, outcome of his uh, his backup test was uh, deemed to be positive, so he will miss Nebraska, Purdue, and Michigan, which is too bad because Mertz versus Milton uh, in Week 3, that Michigan quarterback, I think Harbaugh has finally found his guy. Zubin, uh, did you talk to Feinberg or have you spoken with Feinberg since this past weekend? What were some of the bigger college football stories? Obviously, Ohio State and Fields, etc. looked unbelievable. Uh, but what were some of the biggest talkers uh, from your college football people that have joined you uh, since this past weekend? Yeah, I would say right before the weekend, I'm glad you brought up Joe Milton. Kirk Herbstreit was with us, and he basically said, we've heard it all. 
And we've heard about guys like Jake Rudock. We've heard about guys like O'Corn, John O'Corn. We've heard about guys like Shea Patterson who came with a sterling transfer reputation. But he said the real difference here, and he remember he said he goes, wait until you just see Joe Milton. He doesn't look anything like those guys I just mentioned. He's 6'4", he's big, he's strapping. He doesn't seem to have a care in the world in a good way. If you heard some of his pregame comments, he wasn't nervous at all, went out there and made it happen. So I think a lot of people believe it is just one game, it is just Minnesota, but they just look different at the quarterback position than they have in a long time because of the way this guy Milton is built. And I think the other thing, too, that kind of Paul referenced was, you know, this is kind of what happened, to your point about Mertz, and then I believe Chase Wolf is back up in a situation. They might have to play their fourth-string quarterback against Nebraska. As you mentioned, Paul was really strong about the notion that when you cancel your season on August 11th and you get too extra cautious, this is what ends up happening because now you have no bye week to make anything up. You've gone more stringent than the other leagues going to the 21 days. And when you're the first league to say we're shutting it down or we're postponing, if and when you return, you've got to have an equally strong measure of precaution because if you were so concerned the first time, the public perception has to be if we're coming back, it's not coming back because of peer pressure or cash or TV or the other conferences. We're coming back because we feel it's safe even though Michigan and Michigan State are both led by doctors. So I think when you come back after canceling or postponing first, you have to have extra stringent measures in place. And as a result, it's going to be really unfortunate for some of these teams uh, that may not be able to compete for the national championship uh, because of a policy that actually may be just right. Who knows? We've obviously seen the surges and all the cases are going up across most of the country. But if in any way, shape, or form they're being too cautious, they're robbing some of their student-athletes, and that's too bad. Zubin Bahante from ESPN. Zubin, did anybody talk on Monday? Trent and I talked about this a little bit. I don't know what the second greatest play in sports I've ever seen was. <laughs> and I know the latest. What, but watching Metcalf uh, run oh, down man. Buda Baker on Sunday Night Football, Zubin, I mean, that's one. You'll never forget that play. What an incredible display of athleticism. Did Keyshawn talk about that? Yeah, you know, the thing about him is you may remember, I think sometimes when sometimes guys get typecast, you never want to typecast them in a certain way. And DK Metcalf, before he joined the Seahawks, was typecast yes. um, as just being the combine warrior. Yep. He's a workout warrior. He's got a percentage of body fat that practically no human has. And he looked great. But that's not what you really want to be. And I, I may have mentioned this to you a couple of years ago, but I was in a hotel a couple of years ago in Mississippi, and I ran into his father. His father actually just came up and introduced himself to me, and they were just talking about, you know, being drafted into the third round, not getting that money. People just think he's a workout warrior. And I just wanted to say something nice. I mean, like, who am I? I'm just a guy he recognized. I'm not an NFL draft nick like Kuiper or anything. I said, listen, you know, maybe the best thing in the world about being drafted that late relative to your son's talent is the fact that he's going to hook up with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And that could be the best thing that ever happened to his career because when contract two comes around, you know he's going to be in great, great spirits. If he's playing and catching passes from him, he'll always be in the right frame of mind. And obviously when he's due for that next contract, I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, whether it's Lockett right now or whoever it might be, I mean, this guy's emerging as the main threat. The Seahawks are also transitioning from the Legion of Boom to letting Russ run it. And if Russ says, this is my dude, it's sort of like when, uh, you know, when I'm not saying it's the same thing, but to a smaller degree, when Alan Lazard goes up to get a contract extension and Aaron Rodgers says, hey, that's my dude. (laughs) They're going to take care of him, even though I know they have the greatest relationship in the world right now with Aaron Rodgers in the front office. But it's that same sort of corollary 
and to think that he was a workout warrior. He's become a great NFL wide receiver. But, but Ken, to your point, said right now maybe the play of his career is, is mm-hmm. a chase-down tackle after being one of the best emerging offensive threats in the league. That's something. I'm really happy for the guy because you can tell after I just spoke to his father for that brief interaction, they were really disappointed. Uh, that despite all that work, that's where they ended up. But I'll be honest, there's nothing to be disappointed now. He's in the right place. Yeah, he really is, and he's going to cash in too because I think he's quickly becoming one of the uh, one of the best receiver, young receivers in the league. Zoom, he's got a hell of a career ahead of him. Zubin, as always, thank you for doing this for us. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your day, uh, and we'll talk to you a week from today. Thank you, Zubin. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Zubamante from ESPN. Yeah, I thought he was that. I mean, that was the story of the, of the combine, right? Workout warrior. No mm-hmm. body fat. Look at this guy without his shirt off. He looks like Adonis. Yeah, but can he play? But. Right. Yeah, he can dot, play. dot, dot. Right. Maybe some attitude questions. There was Ooh. there was a lot of things running around. He has been. He's an emerging star. Exemplary. Yep. Since he's there. And when he had Tyler Lockett on the other side. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, not bad. Uh, yeah, the C- their Seahawks are going to beat the, that NFC West. Their defense West is trend. awful, though. I know, but they can score. They can outscore you. Right now, who goes the furthest in the playoffs out of those four teams? Are the Niners healthy? Yes. I mean, really healthy? Yeah, they will be. Yep. Most will be back. back. Yeah, Bose is not going to be back. Uh, you know me and the, my Niners. I know you love them. Arizona, I just can the Seahawks. I think their defense is too bad. Yeah, I think they're fake. So who do you think goes? I think it's the 49ers. You know how much I've been making uh-huh. fun of you with the 49ers? <laughs> I Something about that team. Garoppolo's looked good the last two weeks. Yes, he has. And I Completely the... different from what yes. he was three weeks ago when he looked awful. Trent, they got pounded by Miami three weeks ago. What's it close? It was terrible. And now they, the last two weeks? They beat the Rams who just, I, I get you, it's week to week. You yes, can't compare, yeah. right? Nope. But we saw them get pounded. The pound the Rams. That's a good question. That's a tough division. It is a really good I mean, division. All, there could be four teams getting into the playoffs from that division. It's crazy to think. They all should. Well, just, if we had a selection committee as opposed to... So it would come right down now to the Saints or the Bears. If you're going to put all four in, uh-huh. you're going to have to those of of one of if one of them's not going to get in, it looks as though it would be the Saints or the Bears that would take their place. Are the, either of those worthy? I don't think so. Saints when they get Michael Thomas back, though some damning reports about Michael Thomas continuing to come mm-hmm. in from New Orleans, including uh, he's got a nickname. People don't like him around there. Nope. He, of course, punched a teammate yep. right when he was getting healthy. Then he gets hurt again. Hell of a talent. Bad dude. I think you'll be getting his mail in a different city next year. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. All right, we'll come back, finish things up. Will there be a Game 7 tomorrow? If there isn't, there's no live sports. So if you're not a baseball well, if you're not a baseball fan, you don't care about tomorrow (laughs) right then. Uh, Well, we are. We'll talk about that when we come back. 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Football is back. It's about damn time. We've got you covered from high school to the pros, the Hawkeyes, Cyclones, and more. Right here on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 AM and 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. 
Joined by Dr. Heidi Bell with Elite Eye Care in West Des Moines. It's football season. Concussions, always a big topic. This year, two to three million sports-related concussions will occur, and about half of those go unreported. Two out of every 10 high school students will suffer a concussion. The most important part is following through with your doctor, but the recommendations are different than they used to be. At Elite Eye Care, we can diagnose and treat the post-concussion visual symptoms that typically exist. That's Dr. Heidi Bell with Elite Eye Care, University Avenue in West Des Moines. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Is this the best Aerosmith song? I think it is for me. I am right it there pretty with good. you. There were resurgence there in the mid- Late 80s into the 90s. Into the 90s. Yep. That's when I remember it. I remember- Dude looks like a lady. And all of a sudden, I, I found out, wow, my mom likes this music too? Well, this was this is from the 70s. This is, yeah. It's going way back. Anyways. This, this is when I was introduced to real Aerosmith. <laughs> I mean, the Aerosmith that I still like today. That, that 90s stuff doesn't quite yeah, hold up as well. This, this one to me is, uh, yes. this is where their bar was set. Anyways, so we've had Dodgers, Rays, Dodgers, Rays, Dodgers. Does the pattern continue and the Rays get game six tonight? Uh, Blake Snell, their lefty, struck out nine in game two, did not get the win. Gonsolin started and will again tonight. Uh, it's a bullpen game for the Dodgers as Dave Roberts is have a nice insurance policy and Walker Bueller for a game seven tomorrow. What do you think? I think it's ending Betting tonight. aside. Yes, I think it ends tonight. I think it's over. I think we're going to see a lot of runs, too. I, I do, too. I, Snell, the control was not very good, even as good as he was striking people out. He was effectively wild, at least at times. I think this is 11 o'clock, 11.15, before yes. you turn your television off. Well, and you can watch a celebration. No, you can't. I'm going to bed. You're going you to could, bed. Let me know how that turns out. I'll be up uh, working on well, getting ready for our show tomorrow on Mediacom. That's what I do late night uh, okay. on Tuesdays. Get around to that, and, and away we go. All right. Well, tomorrow we've got David Kaplan. Look forward to catching up with Cappy. I'm sure he's got some takes on the Bears. Bill Bender, Sipple will be here. They host Wisconsin. Boy, three weeks from now, Joe Milton in Michigan versus Gray Mertz in Wisconsin. What might have been, what won't be, as Mertz has had a second positive confirmed. Murph and Andy at two, the Fanatics at four. Um... Cyclone Insider, is that what they call it? I can never remember. But anyways, uh, you know the crew, Heinz, Peterson, and Chris, it's from 6 until 7. It's 1460 KXNO, 1019.